<clears throat> so in the process of uh, a retreat and in fact in the ongoing continuum of Dhamma practice then uh, various kinds of thought processes and uh, life recollections occur we get memories and uh, scenarios arise in our mind <coughs> seems to be the effect really if you're not pushing forward and you stop and you pause it's as if all the carriages in the back of the train start bashing, jolting <laughs> you know you it's wham, 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 wham. All these things come in. My goodness. There's so much there, you know. You've been alive 40, 50, 60 years. There's a lot of carriages. Um, there. And it's amazing how some of them can be, you know, go back to when you were five or two or whatever, you know. <laughs> Seems to be all, all the way. And it really gives you an idea of, of uh, there's no real going forward, you know. In fact, we're always here, and and that here just keeps all the, um, the here is always here, but the accumulations that act as a widening circle of karma, cause and effect conditions around us, around that here quality. Mm. We may feel, in fact, that there's some that we're not really meditating properly, but this is what happens, isn't it? So maybe this is what's supposed to happen. <laughs> so this is what happens. Um, and then, could it even be something we could turn to our advantage? Hmm. So, the question is, how does a, a kind of a, you know, person whose his mistakes or pains or betrayals or failures, how do they become a pure, happy, peaceful person? Again, one of those riddles. How does a person with so much baggage become empty and open? One of those Dharma riddles. Because, uh, the more you flip, try and fling them away, they keep bouncing back. You try to sort of move faster to get ahead of them, they run right after you. <laughs> you try to dismiss them, calm them down, they say, I refuse to be dismissed, take me seriously, this is a real issue. And you've got to deal with it. So, you know, how does a such a person, such a burdened person, become a liberated person? <clears throat> Dumb a riddle, because of course the person can't do it. Otherwise, surely she or he would have done it by now. Since you know some of this stuff has been going on for decades. Um, so 
is she so she or he's so so feeble in their practice they can't do this mm. or maybe coming from the wrong place mm. Really, this is why we take refuge, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, because the person can't really do this. They can do certain things, but they can't. What they really end up doing is is finding a way to really make that term taking refuge something that's that's quite, you know, immediate, practical. Um, something that becomes internalized how how you how you do that how that occurs how you bring that under the light of the buddha realization awakened dhamma the here dhamma is the here the immediate sangha those who practice with integrity managing the sangha is the those who translate the human predicaments into enlightenment fodder. Mm. <clears throat> well, with reusing this uh, experience of the here, the body being here, having this sense of a location that we can feel uh, more fully the effect of that you know, in the body, a sense of stabilizing and then the particular qualities of stability that come from that. And then with some encouragement, inclination to, to see that being here is often being here with something. So it's be nice just to be purely here, just that. But it's, it's by and large, it's going to be here with something else. You know, being here with, even with breathing, or being here with thoughts, or being here with emotions, or being here with the past. So that's it's that's the that's the practice area. It's like that, and then what we hear with is the, either the immediate sense contact, or in terms of the mind, the mind's unresolved, things that are not resolved or not cleared. As you're cultivating that, that here quality, using, using the breathing to, to bring around a kind of a, a mooring post, and you notice how that quality of just being present, being here, then thoughts and since these karma conditions arise and you find yourself sort of spinning and moving out into it and then that that sense of it becomes engrossing engrossed in these um stories and and experiences uh, and the simple practice is as we come to that in, into that then there's a moment when we're oh 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 dear this one again. Thought I dealt with this years ago, or 
Well, I'm tired of doing the same old thing. You know? I'm tired of the same old narrative going on. You know, look, I've forgiven you for goodness sake, just shove off. wrung my hands and pleaded guilty and, you know, let me off, will you? I've done time on this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but then, just, that isn't Buddha speaking. <laughs> That's me speaking. Buddha goes, aha. Pausing. Waking up. Waken to hear with this. Waken to hear with this, and then can we expand the sense of here to actually almost um, include all of that. So widening, softening, including it all. Not including it in order to store it up, but just instead of resisting it, agitating around it, activating it, just okay, fully here with this. But it's a sort of soft wideness and you're feeling the energy of that, that, that thing, and some of the emotion of it, mm-hmm. but not act, getting activated around it. No, you know, that really, that's Buddha. That's Buddha called the Lokavidu, the knower of the world, and how our worlds come barging in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Buddha is impeccable in conduct and understanding, so this means that particular waking up, the waking up moment doesn't flinch, it doesn't fudge, it doesn't bully, it doesn't, it just, um, it just it's like this now. And waking up in, in conduct and in, under, in seeing, the one who, who is, uh, so you're seeing it, this is this, this particular form this particular energy, this particular voice, this particular form, pain form, confusion form, uh, nostalgia form, trying to find something form, trying to get occupied, kind of something just to fill up the space, hungry form, you know, give me something to doodle away at, you know, things that your mind can find to, to doodle away at, you know. Who was the 22nd president? Does it matter? It, no, it doesn't really matter. I just want to remember who it was. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't matter. But was it? Who was it? Was it? No, it must have been known, was it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But who was it? I just think this one thought, and then that'll be it for the day. <laughs> Just get this one thing ironed out. That'll be it for the day. <laughs> you know, something to fill up, get activated around. Hmm? It's really, you know, some of these things are not terribly painful. They're just, you know, disappointing the trivia that my mind can get fascinated by and, and hang on to like a 
terrier chewing a rat, you know. <laughs> Surely you could do better than that. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of these defilements aren't even that tragic, they're just pathetic. So the Buddha doesn't even say that, he just says, aha, opening to, and then really what's feeling the, that kind of clawing to fill up, or the pain of wanting to push something away, or to figure something out, trying to shake something off, you know, tribunal to go through again, who is right and who's wrong, and what you're going to, you know, the, we like to find ourselves in the courtroom again, and all those stupid people up on trial and you're giving them the, you know, or you're up on trial defending yourself. He says, so, you know, uh aha, what is this? This is the feeling of fear or anxiety or irritation and anger, um, feeling hurt, betrayed. It doesn't really mean just a flash impression of that. Who is that? And it's like, you know, often you, this is this point of pausing, softening, widening, okay, including that. And then we might say a little thing I sometimes do is just if there's the time, you know, sometimes things just start to dissolve at that point. If it hangs on a bit, then you say, looking, look, I call looking at the face. Of that, of that mental formation. It's sort of shaking its fist or um, drooling over something or it's looking at it. My goodness, who's that? It's kind of, some sense of compassion generally arises when I look at, look at it. It's seeing it because it's so desperate and wants wants to be resolved. It wants to find something. It's trying to get filled up with something, and it, you know, as it never will be. And that's its nature. <clears throat> so, and that with that something of that, either we just widen and soften, and some of these things just begin to dissolve, just because you're not putting any energy into them, you're not even fighting them. And uh, otherwise, we might start to investigate: who is this? Who is this weeping? Who is this, you know, hungering? Who is this fighting? Who is this rebelling? Who is this being, you know, telling everybody off? Let's just look at the face of it. It's that, isn't it? Then why accepting the presence of that? It's like a Buddha turning the eye towards that. And we might even take it further, say, how, do, how is this in the body? So you, the holistic paradigm where you include the thought and then the emotion that the thought is riding on, and then the energy, and then how is this in your body? Uh, how does your body know this experience? And it might be you feel slight, oh, when I come to think of it, the face is a little bit activated, the eyes are activated, the brow is slightly furrowed, or the sides of the mouth, or the throat is constricted, 
or something happening in your chest, you notice that. Going down through that and then, ah, now what would it be like just to having found the body, just breathing, breathing out. Breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. So this is when we can use mindfulness of breathing as a, as a as an asset rather than something we have to be that good at. Be just using it as a, as a as a tool for this feeling how the mental formation affects the bodily formation, the body form, and then just going back into the bodily form, this subtle body form, the kaya sankara, and you breathe it out like a sense of just flushing, like a shower, softening that body impression, breathing out. So you're not really dealing with emotion, you're dealing with the the energy of it, the activation. Mm. You see some of the personhoods that arise within that. You really begin to understand how karma and actions and reactions generate a person. Person doesn't have karma, karma has a person. Karma creates a person, that person lives within us. And we have, of course, quite a few living in there. Different faces, different uh, forms, different energies. Uh, Some we rather like and some we feel challenged by. Karma creates a person. That moment of pausing Buddha doesn't create karma. Buddha doesn't create karma because Buddha awakens to, widens, softens, includes, doesn't create karma, doesn't have any particular program, is not really doing anything apart from, say, just fully connecting everything. So instead of spinning off into a little fragment of ourselves, say, which is fragment of our sankharas, like a verbal formation, so you just that's all you notice, this verbal thing, with images and pictures, um, or the emotional formation, the, you know, the flood of, of movement and mood, you know, okay, there's that, and then what about the bodily formation? So you, you get all three, it's something holistic in that, holding that, Breathing into that, letting the breath move through that. So, all the way down to soles of your feet. The sense of the complete body. So this helps to just just dislodge the fixity, the fixation of these impressions. This is this is what Buddhas do. When we take refuge in Buddha, we cultivate like that. Sometimes this, this just in itself is adequate. Then again, sometimes it's not. So if we've loosened it, still something in there is digging away. Something in there, you know, the particular scenarios of 
have abated, but something is still digging away. That is the pain, in one word. (laughs) It's the pain. So when you sometimes when you begin to clear some of the imagery and the the uh, narrative, just by by waking up to it, you come down to the real root of it, which is the sense of the dissonance. There, I mean, pain is a simple word for it. it could be just dissonance, disappointment, not quite right. I didn't do right. There's something bothering me. You know. You know, there's that. Mm. Mm. Feeling the feeling. So, you know, it's not possible to not have these uncomfortable feelings. Because once one's born, you're already born into dissonance. Once you're born, you're born into dissonance. It's potential in being born. That is, once you're born, you're a separate, you experience yourself as a separate form in a world of other things. People, events, nature. And about a couple of years in, you begin to realize that it goes its own way. And you start throwing tantrums. Because it's going its own way. And you, you know, and it's not going the way you want it to. There's the the dissonance. Why can't things just be smooth and flowing and happy and wonderful and whatever I want happens? Seems totally reasonable to me. (laughs) And yet it doesn't happen that way. So is that, oh, oh. Well, if I do that, I can get it to happen. Yeah. I need to learn how I can do that so as I can make it comfortable, safe, enjoyable, free, peaceful, harmonious, the way I like it to be. And, you know, one puts effort into it and you get some results. But, you know, it's like you've got to keep hunting around tidying up all the time because it keeps going out of whack keeps going out of kilter have you noticed that? (coughs) everything doing that you know you once you've got a car, that means you've got mechanics. Once you've got a car, you, you've got to service it. Once you've got a body, you've got a doctor. <laughs> Once you've got clothes, you're going to have a laundry list. Once you buy a wonderful, new, fabulous, labor-saving device, you can spend hours and hours phoning up the customer services, <laughs> websites, troubleshooting. <laughs> Reading manuals, <laughs> yeah. so that you will live in a more peaceful, wonderful, fruitful life. 
this is just the result of being born. <laughs> and that, that's, that's when it's going quite well, when it's doing that. <laughs> and then what else happens? It's, you know, it's not possible to not mess up. Stick your elbow in somebody's eye, tread on somebody's foot, say the wrong thing at the wrong time. This is not possible, sooner or later. It's also that it's going to happen to you. Somebody will misunderstand, accuse, see you the wrong way, feel jealous of you, whatever. This is, this is not, not possible for this not to happen. It's not possible to mess up uh, or be messed up. <laughs> It's horrible to think of that, isn't it? This is what happens through being born. <laughs> I mean, you may not get that bad a deal compared with what some folks get, but everybody gets a, you know, gets a towseling. Uh, and then you, then you sit and meditate, some of these bruises open up. Gee, that was pretty rough. I really messed up then, didn't I? I'm such an arrogant pig. <laughs> So this is not not possible not to have this sense, yeah. unless you are really arrogant. Big. <laughs> but a little bit of meditation starts to wise you up to that. <laughs> but it is possible to not create a self out of it. That is possible. It's not possible to not to be disillusioned, betrayed, dumped. You know. Uh, Disappointed, this is not possible. But it is possible not to generate a self internally or externally around it. This is possible. And so the, the Buddha knows this. Says, you know, if you don't wanna if you wanna get to the point, you wanna find your way to this understanding, you wanna find your way to this particular place. You know, however whatever you do. And the rest of it, tidying it up, do the best you can, keep the precepts, be patient, loving, so forth. Still, you're going to get, you're going to get hit. Yeah. So, that's all good stuff. But it's good stuff in, first of all, you've got some sense of, yes, there is that which is good and strong and true, and I have access to that. So you don't get so capsized by the dissonances. Oh yeah, okay, but there's this. You've got some sort of conventional or conditioned refuge. And uh, much of our practice is just generating that. And it's absolutely necessary to generate that. So one has a a standpoint, a, a footing from which you can, you know, not get swept up in the vortexes of dissonance, dukkha. And then that's what a lot of our practice is about building up the the uh, beauty of conduct and the samadhi, the sense of strength and firmness, groundedness, and how that builds up, so that one can review the dukkha with some sense of uh, having a your feet on the ground. And this, even that means you perhaps you become less fussed by it all because you've got something else. 
to stand on. I was not expecting the world to be that great. <coughs> but still, there is that strong reflex, even though we've got this figured out, have this figured out in our heads, the strong reflex where we do get activated and where we've been hurt, essentially, where we've really felt hurt by ourselves, that sense of regret and guilt, remorse, or help by, hurt by others, hurt by life. And then these are the places where, you know, using that, that refuge place, you have this, uh, the recommendation is feel the feeling as a feeling. It's, it's always amazingly simple and devastatingly simple. You know, Buddha is very simple. It just wakes up, says it's like this now. This is a mind in the mind. This particular experience you're having is called the mind. This is what minds do. They do all this spinning, and whirling, confabulating. The mind is just this. It does this. This is a body. Body does breathing in and out. Putting the two together, we begin to get a way of checking or feeling the currents of the mind settling into the body and a lot of stuff can dissolve like that. And through doing that, we often come down to you know, these core places of, of dissonance, a sense of what is carried there, the pain, disappointment. The recommendation is feel the feeling as a feeling, not as a person. You, know, you could say some person planted it there, and that, that could be true, but they're not there anymore. You can't deal with them because they're not there. And the, particularly the person you were, who, who experienced that, she's not there either. Well, he's not there either. So if you're not there and he's not there, <laughs> what is there? <laughs> the feeling is there. <laughs> and feeling when lingered on in the wrong way with incorrect attention or with unwise attention generates the perception, I am, she is, I always am, I was, I can't be, and then this is the arising of the, from the perception arises this, the, the view, and from the view arises the, what I call the psychological structure, or the acquisition of individu individuality, as it says in the sutta. So from the, the view, I am in this, I want to be out of it, why am I this? How will I be this? Arises the structure, and it could be just the kind of, oh well, just close it, just brace against it, you know? Or could be, you know, move off, go somewhere else, you find yourself, you know, a sort of shift out of focus structure, just pushes you out. Or go into the tribunal again or blame yourself or 
you know, so the, these various um, programs kick in. Now we want to really come back through that to just the feeling as a feeling. And the closer you can get to that, and the more you can be here with that, then the feeling can be felt just in its purity. And felt in its purity it has a chance to move and shift and speak and finish itself. Finish off, finish itself. So all these conditions are impermanent. But they they get locked and they get repeated through not being seen in the right way. The difference between enlightened beings and unenlightened beings, what do enlightened beings know that unenlightened beings don't know? All, all that arises passes away and is not self. That's what Buddhas know, that unenlightened beings, they know the words, <laughs> but they, at the crunch points, they lose that. Yeah. They don't feel, don't allow the welling up. Now in order for things to arise and pass away, Guess what? They have to arise. <laughs> It'd be nice to have them to go passing away, but they don't sort of pass away without arising. So it's in the rising up, and this is the the uh, the tricky piece when these things rising up, and then something can kind of constrict around it or agitate, and it locks. So allow it to really arise. It arises and your personality program is really agitated by that. Because it's losing its solidity, it's losing its permanence, it's getting a bit shaky. And it wants to find stability. Arising is not a stable experience, it's a welling up. A welling up often of things that are irrational, um, not comfortable, mm. got potential in them. Yeah. So this is where, in order just to be with the the arising, we really need a, a uh, an embodiment to 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 just act as a container for that. And we're not looking at bones, we're not looking at sinews, we're not looking at particular points in our nose or anything. You're looking at the felt sense of grounded here. Now you can use your breathing to keep reminding you that, coming back to that. That's, that's what it's for. It's there, offered for that, to serve that purpose. And it may be that, in fact, that is what comes through. But the, particularly at the shaky point, you just want to almost come back to just being being here and widening. If you widen, rather than going forward or backward or freezing, stand, trying to stand still, you widen, you'll come into a greater sense of the here. 
Remember, norm, the normal samsaric movement is forwards in time. It's a time movement. Sort of, how can I get out of this by going somewhere else? So it's a movement from where I am to somewhere where I'll, where I'll be happy, free, or how I can do this. It's always that movement in towards the future. Something can happen. That's the samsaric movement. Mm. Once you, but once you've done that movement, then the thing's got you on the run, and you keep moving. Have to keep moving forward, and it starts chasing you. I remember a meditator I knew. He was having this thing in a meditation hall. This thought kept coming up. It kept coming up, and he kept kind of shoving away from it. And he get up and he do walking meditation. The thought would chase him, walking after him. He started running. He ran out of the retreat center. He ran ten miles with his thought chasing him. <laughs> about to come up. <laughs> you could feel it kind of coming up. And the thing, after 10 miles, he was so exhausted to sort of stop and the thought jumped on him. <laughs> and he said at that moment, it just sort of, he just lie there and this terrible thought, whatever it was, just sort of jumped and bounced around at him. And he couldn't run anymore. And, oh. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> When you, so when the forward movement stops, either you, you just get tired <laughs> or, you, or you're able to sometimes you just get tired of moving forward. You, you think, okay, here we are. It can be that. Yeah. Or we can more consciously just really, instead of moving forward in time, move wider in space, wider in your perceptual space, wider in your psychological space, widen your sense of energetic space. And you can sometimes, you know, going to the body, begin to practice that with the body, from a small point to the whole body, from where you are in your body to the space around you, just exercising that faculty of being able to widen your attention and stay where you are. Mm. Yeah. So that particular movement is very helpful for being able to meet experience as it comes welling up without getting pushed forward, without closing down, you widen, soften, include it. And then it's allowed to well up and shake around and move through. And then it can come to the passing. As it wells up, the arising. And you don't know when it will pass, but you can, as long as you can stay with that sense of here and grounded, you know, then that's a that's a very pure process. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to even know why it was there or who it was or anything. Sometimes you never understand these things. But what you do understand is what actually arises, passes away, and is not self. Hmm? That which arises, passes away, is not self. And this is what the um, the vision of the Dhamma caught, because you begin to sense, you know, both 
what's called the, the right view, and also the sense of presence that that, that can happen within. You know, Dhamma is not just a, a teaching, it's a, it's a presence. It's not a physical presence, it's a, a it's a presence in consciousness. Consciousness can be Dhamma, it can be that which is able to be present with the arising, passing away. This is called the vision, the stainless vision of the Dhamma, the stream entra, has this experience of this, this, wow, you know, how did that, well, what was that, you know? But you get a sense of there is a presence, not myself, not my personality, uh, not my doing, and yet involving and including my attention, including the skills, including the faith, including the wisdom, including the, the concentration, the ability to stay grounded, includes these faculties. Um, the, you know, and that's what does the process of it. And, um, you know, the, the curious thing is that the the difficulties of our life actually encourage the Dhamma to grow. I mean, if I was feeling happy, I wouldn't bother be doing this sort of stuff. I'm feeling okay. Who needs to meditate anyway? I'm fine. Life's a ball. Life's great. You know, I'm going to sit around, you know, silent hall all the time. I'm going to go and have some, you know, why do we do this? Yeah. So it is the, you know, the, the the dissonance and the way that however much we shake and wriggle and excuse and forgive and so we still suffer <laughs> or experience it. That means we eventually have to come to Dhamma. The Dhamma has to be there, and you know, in a way, it it gives us a, a very an actual practical. Uh, experiential realization of Dhamma. Before that, it's 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 good ideas and noble intentions and skillful means, but it isn't the real realization that is wonderful and mysterious and deeply um, gives you faith, confidence, faith in in that, and every piece of our predicament isn't stopping that it's actually encouraging it every piece of our riddle of our conundrum is not a hindrance to the Dhamma only attaching to it is the hindrance to it only getting stuck in it is the hindrance to it but actually it's there to say look I'm not going to go away until you hit until you touch the Dhamma you know, I'm going to keep nagging you or poking you uh, until you, until you, <laughs> till you open to the Dhamma. And as you, as you get a touch of that, you know, a little bit for a moment, you think, oh, I didn't do anything apart from just finally stay present and, and be with that, you know, and listen to it, feel it, let it happen. 
And that is, a, indeed, that's a profound kind of doing. It's not the doing that personalities really are that good at. Personhoods like to be a bit more, you know, get on, go somewhere, get things done, tidy up, move on, forget that, enough of this, next thing. They want to move forward in time. They don't want to hang around at one point. They can't organize and structure and create and own and control and possess and label to mine and got it sorted and that's it. They don't want to do that. They want. They They want to. They don't want to let go of that. Yeah. This stuff does not let go until that uh, we we waken out of that particular form and structure. And so then, it really, it means you begin to get through that uh, sort of. These, these dissonances and difficulties, you know, you get a sense of what your potential actually is as a human being. These, what I call, so I just talked a little bit or touched into the, the five indriya, the sadha, confidence, virya, energy, uh, mindfulness, sati, samadhi, concentration, panya, Discernment. and they're all they're all innate. They're called indriyas, and there's a whole list of indriyas. Some as there's the eye faculty is an indriya. Um, you know, so we all got that. Then <laughs> uh, there's the femininity indriya or the masculinity, and we have kind of some sort of gender faculty, and then we have these spiritual faculties, which are often not that developed, and it's the dukkha that develops them. Mm. Meeting dukkha, meeting dukkha is what develops those. We begin to say, first of all, develop some sati. Okay, let's see if I can be with this. If I can be mindful of it as a feeling, as this is what minds do. You know, can I? Can we do that? Can we get a little bit of the application energy towards that to sustain attention? Hmm. Can we be? begin to cultivate discernment, wisdom. Wait a minute, what's really happening here? The inquiry, the investigation, under all this, you know, sound and crackle and stories and pictures and images, you know, discernment, what's inquires, what is this? What's the felt sense of this? What's the energy of that? What's the core abiding mood? It could be anxiety, it could be irritation, it could be sorrow, it could be regret. You know, you know, or it could be, you know, just hunger. Fill me up with something, something to do, something to play with. And what's the core, the basic? When you sum up that all that thing in one word, then what? You, what's the word that, that really summarizes that all that? mind state and that mind movement. How does it how does it feel? The wisdom does that. It's the faculty of discernment and inquiry. We have that. And then do we have the faith, which means instead of oh no, I can't do this, some 
sense of confidence, like I will move towards this self-confidence. Is there that, that potential? And it's a really important one. The Buddha said, the doors, the deathless are open for those who have faith. Let them listen. So bring forth your faith. Bring forth your openness. Bring forth your, your willingness, that trust to open up to. This is what faith is about. It's not a belief system. And then we have that possibility. We enter a retreat with some sense of, well, I don't know, but I'll give it a try and let's, open, let's move forward into the unknown. Hmm. And you want to really encourage that, keep it unknown. <coughs> keep yourself unknown. Keep the retreat unknown, not like, oh, well, I got the retreat, you know, the three days, yeah, I know how it works. You get up, do this, then chance it, and then into the time, listen to a talk, go have the meal, spare time in the afternoon, and okay, got that one sorted out, and how to do the system, you know. Uh, wait a minute, what's happening? You're domesticating it. <laughs> so just be aware of that tendency, you know. To, to just start to make some kind of personal form out, out of retreat. Make it an inquiring form, like you're always surprising yourself. Mm. What would it be like to just uh, keep it? You know, so you, you come, come outside the, the tendency to get habituated. Mm. And samadhi. Samadhi starts as the process of almost like what comes with faith and wisdom and mindfulness and energy is samadhi, which is firming up, firming up, just gathering all those faculties together, gathering yourself in the present moment, firming it up. Here we are, here we are, firming it up. It starts as that quality of Oh, instead of everything fragmenting into future and past and them and him and her, all that stuff which just splinters and goes out, you, drag, you pull it all back and say, what is this? What's, this is you know, pain or this is need or this is fear. So that already is a samadhi movement away from the proliferation into multiplicities into the, the unification. We unify, and then we also unify mind and the body. Yeah. So, and this dukkha really encourages these indriya to to strengthen. And you might say again, you know, perhaps the first one is just the faith to to consider dukkha is worth looking at. Yeah. There's something important in this I need to learn from rather than let's go and have a good time. <laughs> Dukkha is to be understood. And uh, it's not just to be understood so that I'll get it figured, but actually it will make me, it will make me grander, greater, more fulfilled meeting it. 
This is the real message of it. Just that it's not some irritating thing you have to kind of get rid of. But dukkha gets rid of you. <laughs> and you're the problem. <laughs> it, it helps to loosen and, and uh, those, those psychologies, those personality structures and the tenacity of them. So then it is fully entered into, understood, and it causes this, uh, something has to let go in that, and what's let go of is the craving to be something. Craving to arrive at fulfillment, perfection, stasis, and we, no, this cannot be. What can be is that letting go can be, and... uh, transmutation can occur which means my mind my heart becomes grander greater freer more has more capacity to meet the ambiguities the conflicting emotions the contradictory scenarios of that this experience of being born is about meet it and see suffering around it so this is where, you know, from just doing this, this is where the real seeds of wisdom and compassion get sown. As no longer as this is ideals, but as really most pragmatic and selfless energies that become spontaneous. This is how a Buddha does not create karma. Even when they're doing things, they're not doing anything. When they're doing things, they're not doing anything, it's just happening. This is, you know. Compassion, wisdom happen, but there's nobody doing it. So it doesn't mean, you know, that we just kind of wipe out into some sort of void but the full realization occurs to to the human potential which is Buddha as something that we can you know see as a manifestation even though innately Buddha is no manifestation but these particular Bodhi energies awakened energies can then operate no, it's just kind of, you know, pull back from that because it, perhaps our Buddha is rather small at the moment. So he's not going to come out with the kind of great flashing world visions of sorting humanity out. But he or she may very well say, somehow in all that, oh, you know, just says the one thing or comes up with the one movement which allows letting go to occur. And really this is touching the Dhamma in our own, here and now, in our own body-mind. So, you know, we enter and we come up against these uh, um, karmic difficulties and really, you know, try to meet them with a little bit of some enthusiasm. 
as <laughs> something here that can transform me. Uh, you know, pause. So the mother of all of them, of all the skillful states, is called upamada, heedfulness, or I call it pausing. It means you're just just about to go down the track again. You know, that old track that we know and love so well. And instead, you just pause, cut engines. Then this is called heedfulness. Pay attention. And widen, soften the momentum of ongoing, coming into here in the bodily sense or just any sense of what make what brings around the being here experience. Waking up. And seeing where that takes us to, you know, through this process of the realization of the uh, Four Noble Truths, the arising of Dukkha, the ceasing of it, and the skillful means that bring that around. So, offer this for your encouragement.